We're continuing this morning in a sermon series on 1 Corinthians, looking at what Paul has to say to that church about oneness. Last week we talked about how Paul owned that word with this church. You don't find that kind of concentration of the word one anywhere else in the other letters or the epistles of the New Testament. Ephesians has several, if you remember in Ephesians 4, 4 through 5, where Paul begins to remind the church who they are and whose they are, that there is one faith, there's one hope, there's one baptism, there's one God. But it's interesting, right after that discussion in Ephesians 4, it's one, it's one, it's one. And then he begins to talk about the beauty of the diversity of the gifts of God for the church and for the world. And that's where we are this morning. Last week we looked at everything we're to be as the church is wrapped up in the task of others. That's our one focus, the glory of God and the blessing of others. And now this morning as we celebrate the one true God, Paul reminds us that one God gives us a diversity of gifts. That we're to be, 1 Corinthians 4, 1, servants of those, or 12, 8, that the Spirit's given them for the profit of all. One church, but many different gifts. And Paul makes that body argument, reminding us again first of our need for the gifts because of our need for each other and for the ministry of others. I've told you before, the first time I ever went to the doctor when I had a severe injury on the day of that injury was after I was married. The Lord knew what he was doing when he put Sarah in my life. I had broken my ankle, as I told you, under a, an incredibly competitive wiffle ball game with the children of our neighborhood, right? I didn't confess then that the other two times I broke my ankle were just as macho. I was playing the sport of tennis. Now, I love tennis, right? But it's not exactly a contact sport unless you're me and you play it, and I break my ankle playing tennis. And then the second time, at least that sounds macho. I was building the ropes course at Twin Lakes Camp and Conference Center. Some of you may have been out there. We had to pulley up logs to the top as we were building it for the first time and testing it out. Outdoors, woods, adventure course. I stepped in a hole and broke my ankle. That's how I did it. It sounds good, but no, it's not. And so luckily Sarah said, hey, when you break your ankle, you might want to go to the hospital that day because before that, I wait a day or two. It's going to be fine. We need each other, each other's concern and each other's gifting. We can miss that. You can't miss it. I mean, it's on the first pages of Scripture. It's just not good for us to be alone. It's on the first things that Jesus does in his public ministry. The king of all kings and what happens in his life? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. The second person of the Trinity, deferring allowing somebody else to come alongside and lead him. And then what does he do immediately after that? You, you follow me, you follow me, you, and we're going to do life together. Every page reminds us of the need for each other. It's not what I was taught. It's not what you were taught. You pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you make stuff happen for God. But what we see from Genesis to, to Jesus and the Gospels is this reminder over and over again that there is one God, but there are many gifts. There's one God, but there's also one body with many parts, and we need each other. And so when we begin to talk about service to each other, and as John rightly reminded us, outside these church walls, it's 
diversity. It's many. I grew up in Pennsylvania until I was the age of 11 and a half. I was a diehard Philadelphia Phillies fan. Uh, there were some big teams in 79 and 78. Big teams. Mike Schmidt, Greg Luzinski, Gary Maddox, uh, Brett Boone. You just name it. Those were Steve Carlton, all those guys. I didn't get to see a world championship. I moved down here, and what, it, what immediately happened? Phillies win the world championship. I leave my Phillies behind, and you got two stations. You can pick the Braves or the Cubs. I picked the lesser. I picked the Cubs. And I was miserable for 30 years after that, right? Finally, yeah, a couple of years ago, it got good. But I still followed my Phillies, but I became a Cubs fan. And a bunch of Phillies got traded to the Cubs. Larry Boa, Keith Moreland, a guy named Ryan Sandberg, if you ever heard of him, through the farm club. So Cubs fan, miserable forever. But I still liked my Phillies. I followed them. Do you remember four years ago? Cole Hamill gets six innings into a no-hitter, and they pulled him. Six innings into a no-hitter, look, I hope I was not that coach of kid pitch. I tried to be a godly coach. I don't know if I'd have pulled my kid, though, six inning and no-hitter. And kid pitch, this is major leagues. This is a big boy. He can handle it. No. We got a body here. And it wasn't just him. They put in one other. Then they pulled him in a no-hitter. And then they put in another guy, and they pulled him in a no-hitter to a fourth guy. And they pitched a no-hitter all together. Only 11 times. Think about how many games are played per year, per team, and times that by however long the, the league's been around, Major League Baseball. 11 times it's been done where people combined together and said, this is your season to serve, now it's your season and really, there should have been a base hit in the third or fourth inning, but there was a diving catch. And then there was, it's the body. And we need each other to be able to say, okay, it's your season to lead this. It's my season to be a part of this. And as we pray through this year, where is that that you need to be the body for the other part of the body? Where is it that you need to use your unique talents as well as your unique spiritual gifting for the advancement of the kingdom, for the blessing of others, to, for the encouragement of others, for the proclamation of the gospel. What we're seeing here first is, is why these gifts are given, and, and it's because we need each other. And here's, here's part of that why as well. It's critical for you and I to know our why. I want to show you a video. I was at a district leadership team retreat all weekend and one of the videos that they showed we're about to watch we had watched this video at our staff retreat last year and our administrative council as we were getting ready for charge conference but it's a good reminder to us as christian comedian he's going to speak about the importance of knowing why you do what you do now we talk about stewardship and we talk about gifts preacher just tell us what to do i'll do that preachers do that but what we're seeing in paul is something different Here's why we do what we do, and knowing our why makes all the difference. He's talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so... Um, let me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how 
saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Okay, um, here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. Paul's going to give us several whys in 1 Corinthians. The first, again, is this, the body. It's not about me, but I'm given these talents, I'm giving these gifts, I'm given this time, I'm given this passion for the glory of God, but also to bless and to serve others. We need each other. We need everybody in service in the church. And by the way, that's biblical. So many of these gifts are for the church, in the church, but also, as we said this morning, thank you, John, outside these church walls to bless the world, that they might see the unity of the body set on fire. And here's the second reason why. And we miss this sometime in 1 Corinthians. We go to this chapter and we forget where it is, and context matters. Do you know what number is between 12 and 14? I'm a liberal arts major, help me. What's between 12 and 14? It's 13. Don't miss that. In 1 Corinthians, when Paul begins to discuss the body and the gifts that the body has to serve each other and to serve the world and give glory to God, he talks about it in 12 and he talks about it in 14. But right in the middle of 12 and 14 is? It's love. It's love. We haven't put it in that context before. We read it at weddings, rightfully so. We talk about it in terms of friendships. We talk about it in terms... But right in the middle of this discussion about who we ought to be in terms of serving, in terms of living for, it's love. And if you don't have love, listen to how the message puts it. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't have love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, 
And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. That's got to be the heart of the giving of the gifts, is out of a love for the church, out of a love and a heart for people who don't know Jesus, that they might see Jesus, that they might know Jesus. Look, I realize there are times it's, what is it our former bishop from Mississippi, Clay Lee, said, I know he wrote a book, Jesus never said everyone was lovable. <laughs> but they are. But it can be tough, right? Parenting can be tough. Marriage can be tough. Church family sometimes can be tough. Are you kidding me? The way State and Ole Miss played yesterday, and I got to go to Thanksgiving dinner and listen to that relative from Auburn or Alabama or whatever talk? I don't want to hear from him. Extended family can be tough. Coworkers can be tough. Right, Ben? Uh, <laughs> enemies, tough. And at the heart of all of it, and we've heard it so beautifully reminded us in our hymn this morning and through our choir, it's got to be love. We serve out of the love for Christ, but also a love like this, a love that is 1 Corinthians 13 is of God. This is the way God loves, and then he's calling us, 1 Corinthians 4, to be a servant of that love. To let that spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, our scripture for today, to let that spirit work in our lives for the common good out of this kind of love. Two weeks ago, again, I got to go to that, uh, that New Room conference, and I shared a story from that uh, last week. But I got to thinking about that, and one of the speakers said something that I've heard every good preacher do. Every good preacher will bring up John 3.16, and then they will do what with John 3.16? They will say, take your name and put it where the word world is. That's a good exercise. That's a good exercise. Every preacher who says that, there's something right about that, right? For God so loved Barry. For God so loved Bob. For God so loved... And just put your name there. What a great truth. And I heard somebody bring that up again at New Room, and I got to thinking about it. I don't know if I've ever heard it flip-flopped. But if you're listening to the way Paul speaks in Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, I think you can flip-flop that. And there's truth to that, too, and it's a check for the church. For God so loved the world, for God so loved Barry, for God so loved the world, but will Barry so love the world will you not of the world but is your heart broken for the world so much so that you would send something so precious to you for them that's the model of the father when we talked through luke 15 about a year or so ago what we heard from henry now and was this reminder that the point of luke 15 is yes we are to be a child of God, and he wants to wrap us up in his arms. He's moved in his belly for his children, but that's not the end of the story. 
Luke 15 is not complete until we become like the Father. Yes, we always remain children, but the point is to love like this Father and to have our eyes down the road saying, who needs to come home? Who can I run to and race to and wrap them in the arms of God? John 3.16 takes on a great meaning when we see the Father's love for people who don't know Him, who don't know their left hand, for their right hand, and God so loves the world. How does that need to be for us? Who is that for us? In our families, at work, at recreation, wherever that might be? Father, break me with your heart that I could love like you love so that I'll, that's got to be the root of why we serve. Not out of just duty, and duty's enough. <laughs> He's a great God. Duty is enough. But Father, break my heart. I just, I serve because I love you. And you're giving me a love for people that sometimes it's tough to love. But love always has to be the heart of it. Paul says this to us over and over again, especially here in chapter 13. Why do we serve? We serve out of love. We serve out of our our need uh, for others. How's that going to be for us this year and for the coming year? As John mentioned, we've got a leadership team tomorrow night for Celebrate Recovery as we have done our homework in our new outreach team. We're we're just counting how many families are struggling with either habits, hang-ups. We're just seeing the numbers in our county, and they're not good. People struggling with codependency, struggling with how they spend, struggling with chemical addiction, struggling with you name it. And as a church, our heart breaks for that. Lord, put us to work in that. People are turning to other things other than you to, to heal themselves or to help themselves or to try to find peace. Try, help us to be your people to those people. I hope you want to be a part of something like that. It's 6.30 uh, tomorrow night in the administrative conference room. And then the, all these other new ministries. We're going back to Delta Grace in a couple of weeks. I just, this weekend, Veronica, who leads that ministry, uh, she was at this district leadership weekend. She's excited for our, she loves our church. Uh, she's excited for us to come back. We're going to have several days you can pick from. Uh, what a way to serve an area that has double, double the, popu- the poverty rate of Appalachia. Let me say that to us again. The Mississippi Delta has double the poverty rate of Appalachia. That's our backyard, and we're going to go. I hope you want to go. There's so many ministries for us. Due to our love and also our, our understanding of our need for each other for you to serve, whether it's prayer ministries, kids ministries, student ministries. So listen, Ben's made this real complicated for us, okay? When you go on our website, www.madisonumc, right? He's made it real complicated. You just, at the end of that, put backslash, go. You just do that. MadisonUMC.org, backslash, G-O. And there's going to be every ministry that's active in our church, from prayer to women who gather every Sunday to make pallets for the homeless in the inner city. There's so many ways to serve. Why do we do that? Not just because of duty. Yes, but that's not why. He's created us for this. He's gifted us. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, it's the very Holy Spirit 
that's working through my life to do this. And it's not just about me. I can do something, as he says in, in chapter 12, verse 8. This is for the common good. I can bless. God's going to allow me to bless somebody else. And then the hard question comes from chapter 4. Will we be found trustworthy? And I believe we will. Paul asked that. Let me be a servant. Let me be found trustworthy with this great gift that I've been entrusted with. For God so loved you. How is it you and I will say yes to him so that we can share our love for those who desperately need Jesus? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you for your plan. It's a beautiful plan. The diversity of gifts. There's no room for competitiveness. No room for jealousy. But to each one, you've, you've blessed unique talents and gifts and passions. Father, it's our prayer that we would, we would respond now to leading your Holy Spirit. Respond to this wonderful word from Paul about how we can serve. How we can be your body to each other, how we can be a unified body to the world so that when they bump into us, it will be clear that we are saved by our Lord Jesus Christ and we love like he loved. Deepen our love, deepen our commitment by your Holy Spirit. Just show us those places, show us those people that you have set us apart to serve and to love. It is for Christ's glory and in his name. We pray this prayer. Amen.